Good morning. Do you know what two weeks from today is? <laughs> what is it? I just came early. <laughs> Come on, just a little bit of patronizing. There's times in your lives that things become more important and more precious than other times. And the last several months especially, I have appreciated my family, my three kids, don't know what I had done without them. And my extended family. You have been so incredible. And what Jason was saying about family and his situation, oh, it, 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 it just so across the board for so many. And I want to add my thanks for the phone calls, for the texts, for the meals, for the don't know what to say, but we're praying. Well, I didn't know what to say either, so I appreciate it. For those that you don't know, four years ago, my wife of 47 years, my best friend, my, the, one of the best human beings I've ever met, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And the first three years, it was manageable, for sure. My plan and my thought was I would just take care of her. Even if I had to give up everything and quit everything for her, I would do it gladly and take care of her until the Lord took her home. Well, about the fall of this year, excuse me, last year, the symptoms began to escalate and rapidly manifest themselves in areas that I didn't know what to do. And I found myself unqualified and incapable of caring for this precious lady. So after lots of prayer and discussion and consulting professionals on the 23rd of March, we placed my precious wife in a memory care facility in Springfield. And this morning I come to you and I share with you today, not as a professional, not as a pasta, but as a brother that's weak. How many of you are weak? And I want to share a little bit of what God's teaching me, and I think it's going to be applicable to you. If all you hear is my story today, we will have horribly failed the purpose of this message and teaching. The purpose is, okay, God, how can we grow? How can we apply this? How can we make this real to our lives? The word of God says to us, God is with us. He is what? Is he with us? Turn to the person next to you and say, God's with us. 
How often is he with us? God is with us. He is with us today. He is with us when you don't feel it. He's with us in days when you are overwhelmed to the point of despair with what to do. He's with us. He's with us in physical problems. He's with us in financial problems. He's with us in emotional problems. He's with us in relationship problems. He's with us when your child that you love has gone astray. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. And every one of you that have dilemmas that you don't know what to do about, like me, God's with us. And the Word of God says, I will never leave you. How often? What's never mean? Try to find another word for never. I, I, I worked hard. I couldn't find another word. God says, I'll never leave you. I want you to picture with me, if you would, a bully. That he's just messing with some kids. And he's just wreaking havoc on their lives. They're crying. They're scared. They're not wanting to, what to do. They can't get out because he's not letting them out. And all of a sudden, one of the kids' dads stands there. The kids don't see it, but the bully does. And what happens? When dad's there, it's all okay. Are you hearing me? When dad is there, it's going to be okay because he's with us. And just his presence. Dad didn't have to say anything. Dad didn't have to do anything. But the situation was resolved because God's with us. You know, I think it's amazing that 107 times in the Bible, it says, God is with us. Okay, I'm going to say it 107 times. Sorry, here we go. Ready? Yeah, maybe not. God's with us. God's with us. When you don't feel it, when you don't understand it, when you're in dilemmas. See, our approach often is challenges and difficulties that we don't want to do. We are trying to find a way to figure out our way through it rather than saying, I will rest in the reality of the presence and who God is. And when he is here, I have all I need. God's with us. God's with us. And the truth is, if God is for us, to you enemy. That's a little paraphrased version of that. If God is for us, 
what or who or what situation is bigger than that. God's with us even in challenges that are overwhelming. I have spent a great deal of time in the last six months thinking about a question or thinking about something I think you can all relate to. What am I going to do? Anybody relate to this? What am I going to do? Because that's, see, that's our go-to, that's our default place is we have to do something. And I want to suggest today, I think there's a better place. We don't have to do anything. We can go somewhere, though. And that's to his presence. We sang today that his presence is what I'm seeking for. Do we, we mean it? We sang today that his presence, if I find it, that I have all I need. Do we mean it? And these challenges that we face, they're real. I'm not wanting to minimize any of your difficulties. But if God is for us, who, what, what circumstances, what dilemmas are bigger than that? You know what? It's okay to be weak. Are you weak? How many are you weak? I hope by the rest of the time, by the time we dismiss, the rest of you will raise your hand. Because I am convinced that's where God intends for us to live. Not in a condition of strength. When you are strong, you don't need God. Because if you're strong, he'll let you fight it out for yourself. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to push his way in. If you're strong, you don't need God. You just need to implement your plan. But I want to say that I'm not strong, and I think that's where God intends for us to be there. In fact, the scripture really verifies it. You know, it's really not okay to be strong. Because when you're strong, you're on your own. How many want to be on your own? <laughs> not me. The Word of God says, my grace is enough. Is that true? Do you really mean that? Well, once I got the problem solved, it's enough. No. Is it enough in the middle? See, anybody can learn to rejoice when we have the answer. But it takes a whole lot of confidence and trust in a living God, in a personal connection of intimacy, to trust God in the middle of our dilemmas. I have a teaching that I've done several times called Learning to Worship on the Desert Side of the Jordan. And what I mean by that is Anybody can worship once we get to the promised land if we got, we got the promise. But see, that's only worship because of victory. I worship because he's a good God and he's with me. Is he with you? 
He's with us even when we don't feel it, even when, Lord, your grace is enough, but I'd like to have an answer right now. Anybody ever been there? My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes to you and it's on in your, and I want to say, and only in your weakness. See, God does not add his strength to yours. He gives you his strength instead of yours. You don't have 20% and he says, okay, I'll give you the other 80. He doesn't wait until you have enough to say, okay, you, you've met your minimum, now I'll give you the rest. He waits until we are aware of the place he wants us to live, and that's in a place of dependency upon him. I am weak. How about you? That whole passage I want to read for us because it's just so amazing. Once I heard that, I was glad to let, let it happen. That means the weakness, the problem. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift, the gift of God's presence. Not the gift of the problem, the gift of his presence. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take my limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, the abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. Let's add to it. Losing your job, health problems, relationships, difficulties. We can make a pretty long list of things that are certainly things that cut me down to size. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. Today, I stand before you weak, yet strong. In a dilemma, yet in a victory. Not knowing for sure how to handle, but having confidence, I'm walking arm in arm with my Father. That's the place I think he intends for us to live. Anybody here ever work with sheep? Anybody? A couple of you? Well, I want to say this kindly, but sheep are stupid. <laughs> That's the kindest word I can come up with. I had a, father, a few other thoughts, but probably can't say them standing here. Sheep are stupid. Let me tell you a little bit about, because I've worked with sheep. I worked on a sheep farm for a while. A sheep can die of starvation laying in their food. Can I suggest that's rather stupid? <laughs> a sheep can die of thirst standing in water. 
When mama, a, a female adult sheep is called a ewe, E-W-E, ewe. When she has a baby, and, you know, I've never had a baby, obviously, but that doesn't seem like a particularly easy or no big deal. I think it's, uh When she delivers her baby, and the baby goes this way, but she turns this way, she will often disown it. Well, not my kid. Went the wrong way. I was driving a tractor one time, and I had din-din for the sheep pen on my bucket of my tractor. Those of you that understand tractors, there's a gear in a tractor that you never use called Granny Low, but you use it around sheep because they don't move too quickly. And so, I mean, if I were to have Granny Low and move from here to the back wall, it would take me, you know, five, six, seven minutes. That's how slow it moves. I'm using Granny Low, and I'm going about that distance from here to the back wall to dump it into their trough to eat. And it's, you know, this is food. This is filet mignon to the sheep. I mean, they love it. And there's about 150 sheep mulling around. There's one sheep needed to move six inches this way or six inches that way. And it had five, six, seven minutes to do it just for me to get here to the wall. And I'm moving slowly. And I can't see the sheep because the bucket's right in front of me. You're feeling bad for the sheep already. (laughs) Well, the sheep did not move, and I ran over and killed it. We had... Lamb roast unintentionally. (laughs) Now, why do I share all that? Because Jesus compares us to sheep. (laughs) This is not a compliment. This is, oh, praise God, I'm a sheep. No, like, oh, doggone it, I'm a sheep. (laughs) But the issue is, when a sheep has a shepherd, they thrive. When a sheep has someone they have confidence in, they don't have those dilemmas. They thrive well. God wants us to be sheep and depend upon him. Not in strength, but in weakness. One of the very names of God, one of his very names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. (coughs) Could someone get me some water? (coughs) I think my coffee cup there has some coffee still in it. God is with us. Monday morning, 
I was having a hard day, to be honest with you. I was in the shower, and I have not seen my wife since we placed her in this facility at their request because she needs time to adjust and to settle in, and I support it, I understand it. So I had not seen her. I, I talked to them several times a day. <laughs> How's she doing? And as I was there, just struggling, when I wonder, thank you, I wonder how my sweetie is doing. I wonder how she's adjusting. And I was having tears and struggling, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I have her in the palm of my hand. I don't know how well you can see this. This is a wood carving of God's hand. And you've been engraved on the palm of his hand. And if you could see this picture well, this little person doesn't have a worry in the world, isn't concerned about anything because in the palm of his hand. Look at your, look at your palm. See, the, the reason that God says this is why he engraved us in the palm of his hand is he cannot imagine a moment without your face ever being before him because he's a relational God. He wants a relationship with you. The reason he wants you to depend upon him is not so that you become just a little wussy. It's because you can connect relationally. It's all about relationship. And he realized that there might be a chance that you might turn your back on him. He couldn't handle that, so he engraved you. In case you did, your face would always be before him. I bought this from my mother when I was in Israel the day after my father had died. But I sure appreciated this week is that in the dilemmas, in the heartaches, I'm in the palm of his hand. Are you there? We can jump up and leave, but we don't have to. Because God is with us, and he has engraved us on the palm of his hand. So what is God's plan for us? Does God intend and plan, plan, whoops, for us to go through heartache, disappointment, and grief? I want to be very clear, if I can say this, um, without any confusion. I am not, I do not believe, and as I have searched the scripture, I do not believe God is behind these things. I don't think he brings them. But you know what? You and I live in a sinful world. How many notice that? How many notice that every breath you take actually harms you? You know that breathing actually kills you? So you can stop, <laughs> die fast, 
keep breathing, die slow. <laughs> but see, because of the, the deterioration of the world around us, because of sin, if you want to get mad at something, get mad at sin. Sin is the reason for the heartache. Sin is the reason for the difficulties. If there would be no sin, there wouldn't be any of those difficulties. God didn't plan it. Oh, but he's with us in the midst of it. He's there. He's available. He's tangible for you today in your situation. See, God's plan is very clear to us here in Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. Now, it says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters. What's the first word? It doesn't say if or maybe or possibly. It says when. It says what? See, that, that, that doesn't leave any option. When? When you pass through. But I want you to notice you pass through. You don't stay there. When you pass through the waters. Going the wrong way, I guess. I will be with you. And when God's with you, the waters just don't seem as big. When you pass through the rivers, when, oh, there we go, they will not sweep you away. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. Because God's with us. Yeah, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. But God's with us. And when he's with us, we can make it. We can go through this because he's with us. Now, I want to deal with one issue that is going to apply to everybody in the sound of my voice. No matter how you're hearing this, this will apply to you. I want to talk for a few minutes about worry. How many of you have ever worried? Okay, if you're not raising your hand, there's a class tonight for you. It's called Telling the Truth. <laughs> We've all worried, amen? It's just, it's like, uh, just part of life. I want to give you a definition of worry. Now, this is my definition. You don't have to like it. But I just want us to, to ponder for a few moments the great success of worry. How many of you have had successful worry? Here's my definition of worry. Worry is taking responsibility for things that God said he would take care of. Because of Joyce's accelerated 
symptoms. I was in Korea the very first couple of days of March. And because of what was happening, I had to make an emergency trip home. It was a terrible trip home. I had 36 hours en route. It was just one of those trips that you all hope never happens, but it happens. Boy, I tell you what, on that trip, I was full of worry. Anybody relate? I, we were probably going to have to do something with my wife because we just weren't able to handle it, but how was I going to pay for it? How many of you know that these places don't give their services away? And I think I have to sell the house. I'm gonna, where am I going to live? How am I, can I, should, should I stop the ministry? How many understand that I had a bazillion thoughts going through my mind? How many know that, that I worried myself to freedom? Worry has never produced a positive result. Because I'm taking on responsibility that God does not intend for me to take. But at those 36 hours were a full, oh my, what am I going to do? I, I mean, I had, I had thoughts going through my mind. When I got home, I began to make phone calls and to work on this. And those of you who know me, I'm not a passive person. Uh, I didn't wait till I got rest. I, I waited till my phone was working. <laughs> it was one second. And I got news after news after news after news, and everyone was good news. There's an incredible law in Oregon called spousal, spousal protection, that they can't kill me to take care of my wife financially. able to say that Joyce's medical care is being taken care of 100%. I didn't worry my way there. Worry did not produce this. Are you with me? And I want to make a commitment before you and God that I want to do a better job of not letting worry consume me. Anybody with me? That I, want, want lure, I don't want worry to be that which I spend my time doing. How much time have we spent in worry that has only produced a lot of emotional anxiety and stress, sleeplessness? I called my daughter on Thursday after I just had a meeting with Social Security. And I said, why do we ever worry? And Janelle said, well, Dad, I don't know what you're going to tell me, but when are we going to learn? You're right, honey. When are we going to learn? I found out that because Joyce and I do not live in the same physical address, that she is eligible because there's $571 a month that the medical part will not pay for, which is a room and board, and now that's being covered in its entirety. But I didn't know it before. 
I didn't know it on that 36-hour journey. Are you with me? See, we have these time gaps. When, when we have the problem, we have the answer. This is the time we have to say, God is with us. Anybody can say it once we have the victory, but it's learning for us to have victory while we're still not sure of the answer. See, in this world, you will have trouble. So the Bible says. Now, I want us to respond to this. If you listen to the story today, you say, well, I'm sure glad Doug's doing better. We will have totally failed of doing anything that's helpful. It's a time for every one of us to respond because you not, might not be in a dilemma right now yourself, but you will be. I'm not, I'm not cursing you. I'm just saying that's reality. But there's something we need to do about it. And I want to ask that we be people who respond, not just listen. Are there responders here? I want to give you four things. May I recommend you write these down? You might not need them today, but you're going to need them someday. When you face problems, you don't know what to do. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like, ah, Number one, accept the things you cannot change. I can't change Alzheimer's disease. Doggone it. I'd sure like to. I'd like to eradicate it off the face of the earth. I hate cancer. Hate dilemmas that we have, we face. But for us, wishing they weren't there does not improve anything. All that we're doing is just wishing. So accept that which you cannot change. Secondly, tell the devil to take a long walk off a short board. Do some warfare. Declare who you are. Declare who God is and that you have victory. And the greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Worship team, could you make your way back, please? And the third thing is to worship. You know, it's so amazing to me. They've been assessing my wife and measuring, and now her memory is down to one minute. So anything prior to one minute ago, she won't remember. But I can put on a hymn when she learned when she was 16 years old, and she can sing all four verses by memory, word for word. And I tell you, when, when she's worshiping, she doesn't have Alzheimer's. There's something about worship that puts us in a place that is so wonderful and is so glorious and that we come and we rise above it and worry is no longer our companion. And I want to challenge us today that we actually do these four things right now. The last one. As we do something for somebody else, get out of ourself. Get out of yourself and go bless somebody else. Can we stand to our feet, please? 
I'm going to lead us, if, we, if you'd permit me, please, in a time. If you could just open your hands like this and place whatever thing you're facing now that's seemingly pretty big. Or the future. Or your uncertainties. Just put them in your hand. Look at them. Be real. Be honest. And tell the Lord, Lord, I, I quit trying to change it and I accept what I can't change. I accept the realities of the situation that I don't like it. I don't want it to be there. I wish I could get rid of it. The truth is, it is what it is. Secondly, I'm going to lead us in dealing with some war. In the name of Jesus Christ, enemy, we tell you today that we serve the King of Kings. We serve the Lord of Lords, who is greater and more powerful than anything that you can bring to us. He's more powerful than finances. He's more powerful than physical issues. He's more powerful than relationship problems. And we tell you, enemy, that you're barking up a tree that you don't belong. And we tell you, enemy, right now, in Jesus' name, to cease and desist and to leave these people and to leave these people now. Now, the worship team is going to lead us. I want to challenge you if you want to come forward as an act of saying, I'm going to do this, then do it. Take whatever position you want to take. But I challenge you, please respond. Don't just listen. And as you leave this place, go find someone else to do something for. Let's worship.